Hello and welcome to TSOL Pop. My name is Laura and unfortunately my co-host Eve is not well today so she won't be joining us but don't worry she will be back next week and in the meantime I luckily have our special guest Tom Garside joining me today. Now Tom is the author of TSOL, A Gateway Guide and his upcoming publication is uh, pronunciation card games that will be available soon and today we're going to be talking about effective ways to present new language to learners so hi Tom thank you so much for coming on the show oh, it's good to be here just thinking about the topic we selected to talk about yeah. today and it's something that features a lot in your your book TESOL a gateway guide why do you think it's important to talk about effective ways to present new language well Presenting new things to, to people is kind of what our job's all about as teachers, isn't it? You're, when mm. you're teaching something, it has to be new to the learners. Um, the problem comes when teachers have this assumption that their job involves explaining things and kind of explaining yeah. what things are, these new things, um, new words, new phrases, new grammar. Um, I think this assumption probably comes from more knowledge-based subjects like history or geography where you are kind of expected as a teacher, as a history teacher, to explain things about why things happened and Mm -hmm. what was going on. But we have to remember that for subjects like that, um, the the message is the the kind of historical information or the mathematical information, whereas the medium is the first language of the learners. So the learners are capable of of processing those kind of explanations. Um, As a language teacher, an English language teacher, English is not only the message, but it's also usually the medium of instruction. So as a, a kind of a teacher that uses a lot of English to teach English, I think we have to think much more carefully about how we introduce things to learners. We have to be sensitive to the fact that this is new information and it's being presented in a language which could be new to the mm-hmm. students. Hmm. I think, like you say, like that temptation to explain things mm. is, is why this is such a good topic to talk about mm. um, today, because I think, for me, as an observer, and also as a teacher... There's, there's always that, that feeling like, oh, I'm helping students if I explain. Yeah, and I, I do see it quite a lot in, in lessons, like, oh, I'll just explain it to them. But yeah. in fact, the learners often don't get the concept yeah. through an explanation. They need something uh, more than that. Well, that, that's the key thing. I mean, you can't explain a concept really um, effectively in a, in, in, a, in a second language if that's what you're teaching. Mm. I think you have to think about the language we use when we do explain something. Mm-hmm. Explanation actually involves quite a high level of language. I mean, even if you explain a simple concept, a simple concept like a chair, right? A chair is a thing which we sit on or which people sit on. Um, that sentence is, it contains a relative clause. It's actually quite a complex sentence. Yeah. And the word chair is absolutely a beginner level word. So yeah. are you seriously going to hit the students with that massive language load when they're learning what, you know, what's that, a chair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to work. Another thing I notice quite a lot um, happening in classes is a teacher may um, present a, a written form of, of a word or a group of words on the board and then ask students, what does this mean? Mm. And then wait for a response from the learners, which usually comes from the more uh, the stronger or more confident learners. Or the ones that already know that word. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're... If you, if you do that classic thing where you just chuck the target word up on the board mm. and you say, what does this what does this mean or even worse does anyone know what this means Mm -hmm. which is like an indirect question which is quite complex in itself Mm -hmm. then seriously only the people who already know what it means are going to answer you your job is to teach the people who don't know what it means so that's like a false starting point that's already leaving people at a disadvantage in the the classroom 
yeah so that when I see that when I'm observing a lesson from new or experienced teachers when I hear that question what does something mean my a little part of me inside dies right you just think <laughs> no don't ask that question why that's a pointless question you're only asking people that already mm-hmm. know it that's that's not doing your job and usually that recircles back to a learner then explaining it to their fellow classmates or just translating it which, or trying to yeah. because if you're again a learner at that level maybe not equipped with the language to explain it properly with like we said all the complex language which is way above the concept itself mm-hmm. the word itself so yeah it's, it's not a not a healthy routine and I, I come down quite hard on trainee teachers especially when they when they ask that question it doesn't take much to demonstrate why it's just a false question altogether. yeah it's just not I've a useful thing. seen you do that with uh, trainees where you've presented them French words and yeah. you've written them on the board then you're like okay what does it mean yeah and they're just come like, on oh. why don't you know yeah. <laughs> And they have no experience in French. Yeah. And of course, that's exactly how a beginner feels in any language if yeah. a teacher does that to them, or, or of any level, actually. Yeah, not it's just a new a language. Beginner, so. Yeah. Okay. So, how can teachers get around explaining um, new language or asking students, what does this mean? Well, I think you have to plan, really, how you're going to introduce new ideas and new words, new phrases to students. Um, we have to be sensitive to the fact that they don't know what it means, actually, so <laughs> that question's nonsense. Um, so there's a routine that I picked up from my own um, training a long time ago, in like 2000, no, it was 2000, actually, um, where I have no idea where it came from. I've since tried to track it down. Mm. Um, it's not entirely my idea, but um, it's something that I go into in more detail in, in my book, The Gateway Guidebook, and it's um, easy to remember because it's called Cow. And <laughs> it's nice to remember training, to remind trainees of, because when mm. they don't, when they don't follow this procedure, I, I feel like just standing up and mooing at the back of the room. <laughs> so they, they, ah, yeah, cow. Anyway, um, the stages of cow is C O W, right? So mm-hmm. the way that just I find works to present to students is, um, firstly, you very simply present the concept of the word to the students. That's the C is concept. Mm-hmm. So that could be a picture or it could be a little uh, gesture or a mime, or it could be a, a very simple definition, not an explanation, but a yeah. simple definition that you know the students will, will catch on to. Um, and that's presenting it in a non-linguistic way helps us to familiarise or, or to ensure that we're targeting a familiar concept to students. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if, if you're teaching the word air conditioner to students, there's very few cultures in the world that don't know what an air conditioner is. Mm-hmm. If they're from a developed country, they're going to know what an air conditioner is. Whether they know the English language word for it or not, at least the concept will be there, so it'll be something familiar that they can grab onto. Yeah. So you're setting them up for success, really. Right, so that's the C. Um, the O part is the oral form. So then moving on from the concept, once you've elicited the, the word from the concept, you can start dealing with the, the spoken form. Um, Dealing with the spoken form first is important because um, pronunciation is fixed. Mm. Each word is pronounced in a certain way. That doesn't change apart from, okay, with accent, yeah, but the way that you say it in the classroom is not going to change. So it's a fixed form, so it's easier to process, it's easier to drill, it's easier to get into the, the students' minds that that's the word for that thing. Yeah. And then only when you're happy that the students have have got a correct oral form, you've drilled it around, they've maybe peer corrected and you've done some correction, error correction on that, then, and only then, should you put the written form up on the board. Mm-hmm. That's the W, right, the written, the writing. So the written form comes last because um, spelling patterns in English are horrible, 
so many irregular spellings the vowel spellings are weird the silent letters there's all these different potential sort of um, conflicts with with letters and sounds so once the, the, the oral form the sound is fixed then the students will typically relate that much better to the written form, whatever it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go through the written form on the board and point out, well, you know, can you hear that K in this word? Well, no, it's a silent K, okay? What does this couple of letters sound like? Oh, it's an E, not an A, but an E, okay? So say the word again, like that. And it, it I don't know, feeding them concepts before sounds, before visual forms, seems to just fix that form in their minds much, much more effectively. Yeah, and mm-hmm. can prevent like errors forming for the learners. Like if you present the written form first, yeah. and then they have a go at pronouncing it, and they mispronounce it because, yeah. as you say, English has a very low correspondence between the sound and its spelling. Mm-hmm. Um, then they can get caught up in that, yeah. and then it's a bit difficult to undo. So it makes sense to do it in the stages of concept, pronunciation, and then how it's spelled yeah. in the written form. So cow. Yeah, <laughs> I think one thing just to go back to look at is. During that concept stage, the, mm-hmm. the first stage, the C stage, because um, you're presenting the concept to the, the learners, you also need to check it, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, you may present a picture, but they may confuse it with something else mm-hmm. or misinterpret the picture. So you need to make sure everybody is on the, on the same page. Yeah. How do you recommend teachers do this? Well, there's the famous CCQs, right? Concept checking questions. Um, which you can use at any point really you can present the concept and then CCQ straight away after that mm-hmm. um, or you can present the whole go through the whole cow thing and then mm-hmm. go back to the concept and, and check it Whatever, however you do it I think it is really important to, to check new concepts of any language that you're teaching um, I guess CCQs are quite formulaic you know, mm-hmm. we, we say that they should be very very closed questions yes no questions very restricted so avoids the students having to to think too much about you know what could be quite a fluffy concept actually that's quite hard to define mm-hmm. um, so if you plan good um, CCQs and you really hit the key the key aspects of the concept that define that thing in simple language graded right down very simple very closed questions then you can confirm that the students are following and learning the right word for the right thing so when can we use COW or COW in a lesson um, well, generally, it's for presentation of language, right? So, I think a presentation stage early on um, is where we're most likely to find it. I think the typical lesson starts with kind of a, a warmer or whatever, and then you could set set the context of the the lesson, so make yeah. sure the students understand the situation that they're using the language in, um, and then I would expect in a, a good like vocabulary lesson dealing with sort of seven or eight items of vocabulary that's where I'd expect to see sort of seven or eight of those cow little cow routines in there um, either with CCQs afterwards or with CCQs interspersed along the way so it's kind of set context COW, COW, COW and then CCQ, CCQ, CCQ mm-hmm. for example So far we've been talking about using cow um, for presenting vocabulary but could you use it for pre- presentation of other language points? Yeah, I mean Grammar is also quite conceptual, isn't it? You've got the the meaning behind structures, mm-hmm. and then you've got what the structures sound like. Mm-hmm. Often with grammar, the oral part is a bit more important because it it's often contains blends of various of several words spoken together quite quickly to get to be natural. So, yeah, there's definitely scope for that. And then the written form, obviously, with grammar, you've got lots of contractions and auxiliaries and things which don't always look like they sound. So, yeah, certainly, cow can be used in a more kind of extended way for, um, for grammatical items. 
So when presenting new language, mm -hmm. what should teachers re uh, remember? Okay, golden rules, I guess, are elicit, don't explain. Mm -hmm. That's it. So elicit without using the target language because, you know, that's what you're teaching the students. You can't assume the students understand it. So elicit using simple language. Um, deal with meaning before form, definitely, and that means dealing with the concept first, getting a, preferably a non-linguistic um, image of the concept in there first. Then dealing with speaking before writing, so deal with the oral form before the written form. And don't forget to check concept. Mm -hmm. mm. So easy to remember, just remember to include cow yeah. in lessons. Always stick several cows into your vocabulary <laughs> lesson, that's what I recommend. Great. Thank you so much for coming on the show and giving up your free time. So it was a pleasure. And if you want to read more about Tom's uh, cow, <laughs> you can uh, go online. I'll, I'll provide the links um, with this podcast. Um, his book, again, is TESOL, A Gateway Guide. And the new book, when is that due to be released? The pronunciation card game. Shouldn't be too soon, within the next month or so. It's another um, e-book and it will be a bit of a resource pack. So working with phonemes and um, phonology through card games with rules in there, some cards supplied in there as well. So kind of a cut up and make resource book for teachers. Oh, nice. And they're both going to be e-versions, so they can yeah, just download e them right, yeah. and not have to wait for them to be delivered yeah, that's right. um, in the post. In addition to that, if you want to read more about what Tom does, um, he does a lot of training and uh, stuff for trainers. So where can they find you in your blogs and stuff? Um, I'm on www.languagepointtraining.com, all one word, um, and on there you'll find out what I do at the moment with teacher development, and there's a blog page on there as well, which is quite recent, so there's only a couple of things on there, but have a look, enjoy. So that's all from us this week, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>